morning. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our worship at Hillhead. Um, it's especially nice to see Ken and Barbara back with us in the hotel. Um, our worship this morning is led by our minister, Katrina, and includes contributions from a number of folks in the congregation. We will also hear the voices of Tamara leading the Lord's Prayer, Elham, Grace, and Essan reading scripture, Rachel leading our prayers for others, in a moment, Wendy will light our candle. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Neil and Yang Yang. In family news, Alan is in Ward 6C of Gartnavel and is happy to receive visitors. I, I understand I'm looking to Margaret for, con for confirmation, but I think he is. Um, and a reminder of our church away day at Cathcart Baptist Church on Saturday the 11th of March. Um, it would be really good for us to have an idea of numbers for catering and for childcare purposes. Um, if you haven't already done so, can you please either fill in the Survey Monkey link, which Katrina is going to send round again, or if you're not able to do that, will you just let Katrina know that you're planning to come? Our worship next week will be led by Katrina and will be the first of our Lent series in Conversations with Jesus. There are no evening services at the moment. It's now time for Wendy to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Oh 
Let us pray. We come to you, God of every land and nation, your beloved children, drawn to the mystery and wonder of who you are. We come carrying with us all that we have lived this past week, the blessings and the burdens, and in these moments we offer them to you. The moments when we glimpsed your glory, experienced your grace, or simply felt that life was good. The moments when we feared your absence, felt abandoned and alone, or felt that life was hard and hurtful. The moments when life just went on, the same old, same old, familiar routines, just getting by. God of the mountain, the valley and the plain, as we gather in the name of Jesus, we trust that you are present in this moment and in the whole of life. Amen. Please feel free to join me in the Lord's Prayer in whatever language you prefer. I will pray in German. Vater unser im Himmel, geheiligt werde dein Name. Dein Reich komme, dein Wille geschehe, wie im Himmel so auf Erden. Unser tägliches Brot gib uns heute und vergib uns unsere Schuld, wie auch wir vergeben unseren Schuldigen. Und führe uns nicht in Versuchung, sondern erlöse uns von den Bösen. Denn dein ist das Reich und die Kraft und die Herrlichkeit in Ewigkeit. Amen.
During the week, I did send around an email inviting people to send me, um, if they would like to, their stories of climbing hills or mountains, and eight people did so. Um, and this was meant to be very brief, but there are some great stories. So if it ends up taking a bit longer, that is, is fine. So I'm going to start off. The people who are going to speak hopefully will recognise their photograph or their lack of photograph. Um, if you're on site, you might want to move closer to the front so we can do our changeovers reasonably um, smoothly. That would be lovely. So uh, mine first, which is the one that I shared with you online. In 2012, I did a charity walk climbing up Ben Nevis at the end of September, and it was hard work. Um, turned out afterwards I was severely anemic, which is possibly why it was quite so hard work. But that is me on the top of Ben Nevis in a blizzard at the end of September on a charity walk. And next up, we have... Okay, Ken's more of fleet, and it's my grandson Joshua on the top of a trig point. Cairnsmore Fleet is 2,300 feet, rising from sea level by the River Cree. It is the hill that I have always been able to see wherever I have lived in this area. I climbed it with my three sons when they were children. When my grandson Joshua, aged seven, <coughs> stayed with me, he climbed it with his uncle Ilif and myself. His little brother threw a tantrum because he could not come too, as at only three years old, his legs were too short. The picture is of Joshua on the trig point at the top. I told him he had to climb onto it, <clears throat> as that was what I would have done at his age. I felt so proud of him, and his uncle made him a certificate to prove he had climbed Kensmore. And this is the view from the top of uh, Goat Fell. Um, Leslie and I were in Avon in the middle of December after helping our friend Margaret move uh, in her house in Aberdeen. And I climbed this mountain, I was completely alone. Uh, and when I got to the top, I was blessed with that magnificent view. Okay. Okay, this is the uh, Annapurna Mountains in uh, Nepal, and in um, June 1985, the relationship that had been developing between uh, Piri and myself was progressing very nicely, and we were visiting friends working uh, in a hospital in a place called Ampipal, which is not very far from where Joy Ransom, uh, Hillhead's Link BMS uh, mission partner is. And uh, one of the most spectacular sights in Nepal is to see the sunrise on the Himalayas. So we got up very one early one morning, climbed to the top of a hill called Liglig. And just before the sun comes up, the mountains in, in the background are just grey shadows in the distance. But eventually the highest peak starts to glow as the sun gets higher and the whole range just glows rosy pink. It's such a wonderful moment. And... Uh, I just had to get down on one knee and ask Purio to marry me, and uh, the rest is history. So a life-changing moment on a mountain. Here I am, not a very flattering photograph of me, but never mind. Um, this is in New Zealand, taken um, eight years ago, and I had the privilege of doing the trek called the Tongarira Crossing. Now, it's only 12 miles, and I thought, how hard can it be? It's only 12 miles. The Larry Grew is 26 miles, and I've done that twice. 
So um, I set off, uh, it was very, very hot, and the words that I've written down kind of encapsulate what these photographs say. It was hot, but to carry lots of water, exhausting, brutal, primeval, volcanic. It was very slippery on the scree. Hissing fissures were everywhere um, with the steam coming out. And the descent was six miles long, and it was just down, down, down. There was no giving up, and there was nothing left in my tank at the end. And what I took away from that was there is always a little bit in your tank. And um, another thing that happened was my two toenails turned completely black because of the down, down, down. And I forgot to put sunscreen on my ears, so they flaked off for days and days after. But I would never have missed this day. It was absolutely fantastic. It was five o'clock on Easter Sunday morning, and we all gathered outside the church, not Cresswell Street, but several thousand miles away in India. From an, in an almost totally Hindu area, we, the staff of the Leprosy Mission Hospital in Polarpur, and the patients who were able climbed the hill at the back of the hospital, singing Easter hymns in Marathi all the way to the top. Then we held our Easter service as the sun rose. It was an unforgettable experience celebrating the risen Christ. The date was the 10th of October 2021. The occasion was an Alzheimer's Scotland um, memory walk, which normally is done in a very organised way, but because of COVID, it, we were told to do it in small groups and uh, just what we wanted to do. So four of us went to climb Ben Lomond. Why Ben Lomond? Well, Douglas always talked about when he was a boy, he climbed Ben Lomond before his breakfast when he was at Scripture Union Camp. And now we can see Ben Lomond from our bedroom window, so every morning we would be assailed with the story of how he climbed Ben Lomond. So four of us, two of my sons, a friend and myself, decided we would climb Ben Lomond. Um, we went, met at Rowardenon, nine o'clock, all ready to go. It was a terrible morning. It was cloudy, damp, um, but we went set off. After we, after we had climbed for three hours, we still couldn't see where we were going or where we'd come from. We could hardly see the person in front of us. The, the dampness made the stones very slippy on the path, and uh, my sons were a bit worried for my safety. safety. So we decided we'd climb a bit further, but after another half hour, it still wasn't safe, so we decided we would have to go back. Um, we turned back and we stopped for a minute beside the path to let some people pass. And looking down, we didn't know where we were looking to, the clouds opened up, and right at the bottom we could see Loch Lomond. It was like a negative photograph. It was grey and black, but we could identify all very, very far below what it was. And as we were standing amazed at this, the cloud came back and we could see nothing. 
And we turned to each other and said, did we really see that? It was just so unusual. And then the clouds parted again and we saw the same scene, but there was sun shining on Loch Lomond. We could see the islands, we could see um, the vegetation and um, trees and water. And it was just magical. It made me think of um, Brigadoon. And uh, it just was one of these moments. And now, whenever we, are we were together, all together about a fortnight ago, and that's what we remember of that day. We came down absolutely soaked. There's no photograph because it just was so bad. Um, but we didn't feel disappointed and we didn't, we just remember that touch. And it just made me feel that no matter how gloomy things are in our journey, God's light is always shining and we will find strength to go on. And it was great. Thank you. Some of my happiest memories are associated with the walking club. For me, walking on the hills was for a blend of reasons. Exercise, seeing parts of the country I would not otherwise see, good company and good talk. There was also a bonus, a spiritual reason. Out on the hills, with no busy road and cars in sight, no houses, only wildlife, birds and sheep. I could feel this is the nearest I can get to the earthly world of Jesus' time. So many of his talks were out on the hills. So I wrote a very short poem expressing the deep feeling I had, and here it is. Walking the Hills Sit and eat and bask under the sun God gave us. We trudge through the rain and accept his good for us. We look and wonder at the beauty of land and river and life God gave us. We talk with strangers and part as friends. We walk, and as we walk, we remember one who walked the hills before us, who sat and ate and basked under the sun and talked with strangers who parted as friends. Our Saviour, Jesus Christ, whom God gave us. Blessed be the hills, blessed be the Son of God who gave his all and walked the hills with us still.
Lord said to Moses, Came up the mountain to me, and while you are here, I will give you two stone tablets, which contain all the laws that I have written for the instruction of the people. Moses and his helper, Joshua, got ready, and Moses began to go up the holy mountain. Moses said to the leaders, Wait here in the camp for us until we come back. Aaron and Hare are here with you, and so whoever has a dispute to settle can go to them. Moses went up Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it. The dazzling light of the Lord's presence came down on the mountain. To the Israelites, the light looked like a fire burning on top of the mountain. The cloud covered the mountain for six days, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from the cloud. Moses went on up the mountain into the cloud. There he stayed for 40 days and nights. A reading from First Kings. The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand before me on top of the mountain. Then the Lord passed by and sent a furious wind that split the hills and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. The wind stopped blowing. Then there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the soft whisper of a voice. When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. A voice said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He answered, Lord God Almighty, I have always served you, you alone. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed all your prophets. I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me. The Lord said, Return to the wilderness near Damascus, then enter the city and anoint Hazael as king of Syria. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Matthew chapter 17 Jesus took with him Peter and the brothers James and John, and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. As looked on, a change came over Jesus. His face was shining like the sun, and his clothes were dazzling white. Then the three disciples saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Peter spoke up and said to Jesus, Lord, how good it is! that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was talking, a shining cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my own dear son, with whom I am pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard the voice, they were so terrified that they threw themselves face downward. 
on the ground, Jesus came to them and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. So they looked up and saw no one there but Jesus. As they came down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Don't tell anyone about this vision you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from death. like to say a huge thank you to those who shared their stories with us this morning. Mountains, hills, these are very much part of what the stories we read in the scriptures, but they're also part of our life. And living in a country where there are many hills and mountains, um, it's good to focus on that. And we have a floaty balloon that's appeared at the front of the room. <laughs> who knew? Maybe this is the Shekinah of God appearing in the form of a balloon, just to... Uh, distract you from me and my waffle. Don't worry about it, these things happen. <laughs> so today is the Sunday in the year when churches that follow the lectionary look at the story of the transfiguration. And a, a lot of heat and light is generated trying to explain what happened, to demythologize it, to re-mythologize it. And a lot of that is basically an exercise in missing the point. Because what matters is not what actually happened on that moment, but what it means, why it's a significant story for us. And as I looked at the lectionary and as I reflected um, over the week, it struck me that there are stories of people who had experiences on mountains. The first is Moses, who is in our Old Testament lectionary story. Moses, who was leading the people of Israel. They had come out of Egypt. They were in this liminal place in the, in the, the wilderness, trying to work out how to get to the land that God had promised them. <coughs> and Moses chooses at this point, called by God, he believes, to go up a very high mountain. Um, Mount Sinai, also called Mount Horeb, is apparently 2,285 metres tall. So that's about twice the height of Snowdon. It's 1.67 times Ben Nevis, but that's not such a good description, is it? So it's about double the height of Snowdon. So it's a big mountain for up by our standards for him to go up. And in his life, in his worldview, everybody understood that if you went up a mountain, you were going closer to God. So he chooses to go up away from the everyday to spend time with God. And he's up there a long time. 
And whilst he's up there, he has a very vivid encounter with God. And we're told that there is is smoke and and cloud on the mountain. There is earthquake, there is fire, all sorts of signs which to them meant that God was close at hand. It's a strange story. If you carry on reading it, it seems like that God and Moses are having just such a lovely time talking to each other that they're totally unaware of what's going on back down in the ordinary world where the people have got fed up waiting and are doing their own thing. But Moses comes up the mountain and he has this amazing encounter with God. But at the end of that time, God says to him, you have to go back down. You have to go back into the ordinary every day and carry on with the job that I've given you. Now we know a lot about the story of Moses. We know he was a flawed man. We know he sometimes messed up. We know he got angry. He was so angry when he came down that mountain from that visit that he smashed the stone tablets that he had been given by God. Perhaps then, as we hear the story of Moses, which is a very familiar story for us, we're reminded that there is always a tension between the time we come apart from the world in an attempt to come a bit closer to God, to slow down, to reflect, to pray, to find nuggets of something to take with us, and the reality that we have to go back into that ordinary every day. He goes up the mountain, he has an amazing experience, but he can't stay there. There is work for him to do, and he has to go back down to it. He is one of the people who is seen on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then there's a story of Elijah, which is not in the lectionary, but I felt it was kind of appropriate to slot it in. So Elijah's story is very different from that of Moses. Elijah has had this amazing experience on Mount Carmel, which is actually, frankly, just a hill. It would sit quite nicely in Derbyshire. It's that kind of height of a hill. He and the prophets of Baal have had this bizarre contest to see whose God was the stronger, and he's won. But now he's fleeing for his life. Queen Jezebel wants him dead and he flees. Now the trouble with the scriptures is we get everything squished down into a few lines. So he travels about 90 miles before he reaches Beersheba, which is the first place that he stops. That's going to take him around about a week to walk that distance. But by the time he gets there, he feels that life is not worth living. In fact, he prays that he might want to, he could die. Looking at it through 21st century eyes, we would say he was suicidal. He stays there, he rests, he has some food, and he rests and he has some food, and then he carries on on his journey. We're told 40 days and 40 nights, that's just code for a long time, but it's about 250 miles-ish that he has to go from Beersheba to get to Sinai. So it's a long walk. And he's carrying with him in all that time his pain, all his sorrow, all his fear. He can't escape from it. Very much reminded of what you were saying, Sheila, about the, the trek that's brutal. This is a brutal slog for Elijah. He has to keep going. And he finally gets to this mountain, the holy mountain. And it's a bit like Nancy was saying. Can't see anything. He's miserable. He spends the night in a cave. 
And he's probably not all the way up the mountain. He doesn't seem to be on the top of the mountain. But God says to him, come out of the mountain and you'll see me. So he would expect all the bells and whistles that Moses had. And he kind of gets them. There's fire, there's earthquake. There's, there's cloud, there's wind, there's all these things that should say God. But no, that's not where God is found. In the translation that Grace read for us, it was a soft whisper. Some translations say a gentle whisper. The traditional uh, translation is a still, small voice. And probably the most accurate translation of the Hebrew is the sound of sheer silence. It's almost as though God isn't there. And yet that is where and how Elijah encounters God. And God says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, I'd be kind of tempted to say, well, you told me. But he pours out his story. I'm, it's life's rubbish. There's only me left. I'm, I'm totally down. I just want it all over. It's a brutally honest conversation with God. And what does God do? God sends him back. He says, you've got to go back down this mountain. You've got to go back, and here's what I want you to do. So it does feel a little bit like Sheila's story, a little bit like Nancy's story, that, you know, the kind of the glimpses. You talked about the cloud parting and you catching a glimpse. Somehow, Elijah, in this awfulness, seems to catch a glimpse of God. If I put the Moses story and the Elijah story alongside each other, they're very different. Perhaps that's a reminder that everybody's experience of God is different. Some people, it's lots of amazing stuff. Other people, it's flipping hard work and you keep going even when you don't want to keep going. But I think it validates us in our own experiences of seeking for God. However those are, whether it feels like it's great and wonderful and it's a mountaintop and you're, you're feeling good or whether it's a, a brutal slog through the fog. So these two people, Elijah and Moses, appear on the mountain where is Jesus, James, Peter and John, who have gone up a mountain to spend some time alone. If we read the Gospels, we quite often see Jesus going off on his own or going off with his closest friends. Now, we don't know where this mountain was. We're told it is a high mountain, but we don't know its name. And actually, if you look at the mountains that are in that part of the world, they're not particularly high. Mount of Olives is around about 800 metres. So it's high, relatively speaking, but it's not a special mountain. This is, just seems to be a mountain that they go up. They've gone up there to reflect. Now, whatever happens on that mountain, and we will not know and we cannot prove it, what we do know is that for Peter, James and John, something changed in that moment. Somehow, their friend, Jesus, this rabbi who they'd come to follow, seemed to be more than they had thought before. For them, they identify him as the son of God. And that terrifies them. And frankly, who wouldn't be terrified when all that happens? They fall flat on their faces. They're terrified. And Jesus just touches them. 
it's quite a tender image. He's, Get up, it's okay, it's okay. And we know that Peter blabs about building tabernacles because that's the kind of thing that Peter does. He's impetuous, he speaks without thinking. And I do wonder if James and John are going, well, well you know, I'm, you know, they were the ones that squabbled over who was the greatest. They were the ones that wanted to be on the right and left of Jesus, or apparently their mum wanted them to be on the right and left of Jesus. Ordinary flawed people with all sorts of stuff going through their minds. And then they have to go back down the mountain. They have to go back to the mountain, down the mountain, to there every day. And they find stuff going on that's not the greatest when they come back down there. Now, I've departed quite a lot from my script because I think what we heard from other people was so rich that I thought you really don't listen to me, need to listen to me talking for 20 minutes. But I do think there is a similarity between the stories we've heard and what we do week by week as we gather whether we gather physically in a room, whether we gather on Zoom, or whether in some combination of the two. Because we bring with us our own stories, what's been going on for us in the last week. And we intentionally gather in a place where we hope we just might glimpse something of God. And then we have to go back out into our own every day carrying with us whatever we may or may not have found as a result of that. It's also what we do when we meet as a church to discern together. We come as we are, we bring with us all the thoughts that are going through our heads, we bring through our emotions. If I'm in a bad mood, I come in a bad mood. If I'm happy, I come happy. And we get together seeking to find something that is a hint or a glimpse of God. Now, very rarely is that bright lights and I've never seen anything written on the wall or whatever, fireworks or whatever, but I can just sometimes get, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, what's that all about? Perhaps there is that still, small voice. Perhaps there's a feeling in our bodies. Perhaps a feeling of peace, a feeling of excitement of energy maybe really really tiny and it won't happen you can't manufacture it I can't promise you it will happen this week or any week but I hope that as we come together as we kind of do our journeys on mountains and hills and plains we have something to carry with us I wonder what it might be that we've heard today that we choose to carry with us into the week ahead. It's probably not going to be what I've said, and that is totally fine. But something from Wendy's poem, from one of the stories that we heard from Nancy, of the clouds and the parting, from Sheila and the, the brutality of that slog, but the great sense of achievement. From Joan recalling a time with other Christians going up onto a Mount Hill on, on Easter Sunday. Of making a proposal to a life partner. <coughs> of glimpsing the top of Goat Fell. Of seeing a new generation achieve something that you have achieved yourself, as did Jenny. Maybe there is something in some of that or in the stories or in the hymns that we can carry with us. 
So let's pray. God of Moses and Elijah, men whose stories are told with awe and respect, we thank you for their frail and flawed humanity, for their vulnerability, their courage and their tenacity. Show us what we may take with us from their stories to help inform our own. God of Peter, James and John, men chosen to share the experience of transfiguration. We thank you for their fail and flawed humanity. Peter, impetuous and courageous, yet who under pressure would deny ever knowing Jesus. James and John, with fiery tempers and a hunger for status and recognition. Remind us that you know us as we really are and you love us and you call us anyway. God of Jesus, God revealed in Christ, we thank you for this mysterious story. Walk with us as we make our way through life. On the mountain, through the valley, or along the plain. Amen.
let us come together in prayer. Dear Lord, hills and valleys are all over our lives. The struggle in the valley when things are muddy, confusing, and hurting. The victories on the hills and the mountains where you remind us and when you remind us who you are. David's psalm of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Elijah's victory on Mount Carmel. The hills we literally climb in the city as we go from one place to another. The mountains many of us climb outside of the city for one reason or another. It's hard, though, Lord, to climb those mountains, to get out of the valley. Sometimes, as we heard, the way is steep and fraught with slippy areas. It can send us right back to the beginning. Sometimes, Lord, even though the spirit is willing, the body is very weak. Help us as we climb the literal and metaphorical hills in our lives. Looking out and abroad, we see the world climbing its own metaphorical mountain, Lord. The war in Ukraine, COVID, the multi-resistant mold, the monkeypox, climate change, and the impending wars. These are just a few of the rocks and the mudslides that we see right now, Lord. We pray that as we go forward, as the world goes forward, that you would guide those at the front of their nation to make good choices, sound choices. Choices, Lord, that push the world up the mountain, forward, and not downward. In this vein, Lord, we think of BMS World Mission as they climb their hills and their efforts to bring aid to those who desperately need it. Today, they ask us to pray and give thanks for all that Big Life, and associate organization, does across India. We pray that they continue their good work and achieve their goal of 100,000 house churches by the end of this year. We also pray for our fellow Baptist churches here in Scotland. We pray for Brian Windrum, the finance director, for the Bridge of Dawn Baptist Church in Aberdeen, for Bristow Baptist Church in Edinburgh. We pray that you would bless their efforts and endeavors and that they would be good conduits for your grace and love. In our own congregation, Lord, we pray for the trustees and office holders, Ailey, John, Owen, and Ethan, Joan R., Margaret, Antoinette, and Spencer, Mary and Ian, Lena and George, Tamara, Hannah, Aaron, and Ben, Bayar and family, and Joy, our BMS partner. Bless all of these wonderful people as they go about their lives. Help them with their challenges and give them joy with their successes. And finally, Lord, as we leave here, help us to go out singing because you are with us. You are the God of the hills and the valleys. So we are never alone. Amen.
God of the mountain, the valley and the plain. As we go from here into the everyday, bless us with the courage, resilience and hope to trust that you are present in every moment of every day. Amen.